Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. We help you make progress in your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's dive into this deep dish of Creative Pep Pizza. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's just do the episode. Creators, are you tired of being paid in clicks and likes? Patreon lets you get paid in cash, man, real money. It lets you build real sustainable income through direct support of your fans. That's what this, uh, we're going to be talking about, this direct connection to fans in the next couple episodes. The creative system is broken. If you are a creator, sign up to patreon.com now. That's P-A-T. It's like Pat Rion. It's your buddy Pat Rion. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Start building that steady income stream that you deserve today. Patreon.com. We're supported by Skillshare. We've been partnering with them. We just brought out our new Skillshare class about finding your style. If you feel like your style and your voice is all over the place and it just feels random and you're just feeling crazy, go check it out. Skillshare.com slash creative pep, two free months today. And you can take the class today. I'm so proud of this class. You're going to love it. The feedback has been fantastic. Go check it out. Skillshare.com slash creative pep to take the class today. Find your style, five exercises for finding your creative identity. That's my jam. It's my my stuff. Go check it out. Skillshare. This episode is brought to you by Storyblocks Video. Storyblocks gives you studio quality 4K stock video without blowing your budget. If you need B-roll, After Effects, templates, or video motion backgrounds, you got to check out Storyblocks Video, man. Head to storyblocks.com slash creative pep talk to learn more about Storyblocks Video today. Hey, this episode is the first in a series called Creative Target Practice. And it's about the idea that creativity isn't a destination, it's a journey. You've heard that kind of idea before, but what does it mean? It's called a creative practice for a reason. You practice creativity, you don't perform it. This series is about how to make creativity a regular practice rather than a someday performance because it's my experience that a regular creative practice where you're doing what you love attempting to improve hitting those creative targets and giving your gift away to your true fans on a regular basis that is the only way to build a strong thriving career but also the only way to truly enjoy it and so i want to talk about how we shift our relationship to creativity Uh, from being something that we get to do if we're lucky to just something that we live and breathe every single day. Okay, for the first episode in this series, I want to talk to you about changing your relationship to creativity. I want you to change your relationship from a proposal relationship to a practice. So many of us fall into the trap of proposing creativity. We pitch, we email, we make decks, we take meetings, all hoping that one day we might actually get to partake in some creativity. 
Author Annie Dillard said, how you spend your days is how you spend your life. Do you want a creative life or do you want a proposition of creativity to be your life? With this in mind, it's safe to say that if you spend more days proposing creativity than actually making stuff, you won't have a creative practice. You'll have a creative proposal. Your life won't be a creative one. It will be a life that proposed creativity. Is this the relationship you want to have with creativity? Is this the kind of deferred joy you want? This one day, if I play my cards right, I might be able to do something creative. How do you want to spend your life? On top of that, do you believe that a life that's all proposed creativity is a life where you can actually attain the kind of creative mastery that you're looking for? Or does that mastery not come from thinking about, talking about, hoping for creativity, but rather practicing it? Change your relationship to creativity from a distant hope to a close daily intimacy and it's the only way to live the creative life that we're hoping for. Think of it this way. You get a friend coming up to you and they're all manic energy with a huge grin on their face. And they're like, yo, I've got some huge news. I think I'm finally ready to get married. And you're like, what? That's amazing. Oh my gosh. How do you know? And they're like, Hashtag, you know when you know, am I right? I just, can't you just see it like Mr. and Mrs. Rathsberger? Oh, it's so perfect. And you're like, wow, that is incredible. I mean, but wait, I don't even know who you're with. Who's the lucky lady? And they're like, oh, whoa. Completely forgot about that part. Do you know anybody perchance that might want to tie the knot with me? If this happened to you, if that was you and that was your friend, what would you say? You wouldn't say, sure, marry this friend. She doesn't mind if you're getting married for all the wrong reasons and don't even give a damn about her. Sure. No. You'd say, how are you going to propose when you don't even have a relationship? How are you going to give your life to something that you've never spent any time doing? Without a relationship, is there any part of you that believes this person is going to succeed in their proposal? Is any woman going to say yes to this pitch when it's clear that this person completely misses the point of this whole thing? If somehow even that they pitch long and hard enough and, and somebody says yes for some reason, is there any part of you that thinks that it's actually going to go well? If an inspiring comedian friend came up to you and were like, you know, they were struggling, they're they're trying to, they're telling you like, oh man, I got to get on this stage and this comedy club. It's like, it's perfect for me. I know uh, that's the one and they're just completely obsessed with it. And you're like, oh, you like writing jokes and making people laugh? And they looked at you weird and, and said, I, I guess, I don't know, but I just really want to get on that stage. If that was their relationship to comedy... Do you have any hope that they're going to succeed in that proposal? And even if they somehow worm their way in and get on that stage, is there any part of you that believes that they are not going to severely bomb? Building a creative practice is about this 
relationship. It's about refusing to put off the joy of making, the rigorous improving of your craft and the connection to your audience to someday down the road and making it part of your every day. How are you going to propose a book without a relationship to writing? How are you going to propose to do a film without a relationship to filmmaking? How are you going to propose to be an editorial illustrator without a relationship to illustrating ideas? If you've listened to even just one of the episodes of this show, you know that I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy. And, you know, I'm, I am, I love the the creative part, but I'm also just a student of their practice because I think that they, there's no wonder why stand up can seem like pure magic. And I think it has a lot to do with the way that they approach their relationship to their creativity. My respect for their practice really solidified from listening to comedy podcasts. These podcasts often have stand ups and comedy actors alike. If you listen to enough of them, you're going to notice a shocking contrast between most, there's tons of exceptions to the rule, but but most stand-ups versus comedy actors. The stand-ups have this connection to their fans. They're grounded in this humble confidence. They're not selling themselves on the show. They don't need to. The work stands for itself. They have this, you know, they're not delusional or cocky. They're humbled by the daily process of getting their hands dirty, doing the work, failing, succeeding. You know, they're in that that grind, that that relationship that's ongoing. They're just in it slowly but surely making progress like somebody earning a paycheck. But what struck me was that comedy actors often had a totally different energy where stand-ups have this groundedness of a farmer that knows that some seasons are better than others, but generally they know how to produce to harvest. The comedy actors had this energy of someone trying to make ends meet by playing craps at the casino. They didn't know when they'd practice what they practiced next because they have to wait to be cast. They didn't know if they'd get another chance to do the thing they love. The, the life, the, their life wasn't a creative practice. It was a series of auditions. It was a series of proposals. The truth is they have this anxiety and there's a good reason to have this anxiety when doing what you love is at the mercy of a casting director, at the mercy of a gatekeeper, at the mercy of someone else. Your life is at the mercy of their whims and many people in this situation have mostly valleys and even if they have some peaks, they aren't able to sustain them over the long run. That is the exception to the rule and they know it. Not only is this relationship to creativity having a close relationship to creativity like stand-ups do, more a surefire way to get good at what you do because you're practicing it all the time. It's a much firmer foundation to build your practice on. Stand-ups can go into a pitch meeting. They can go do a proposal when they get invited to do one with their whole selves, with their real points of view. They don't need to win the pitch because they have a practice. And it's ironic that this kind of pitching, in my experience, when you don't need it, when that burden of the whole world resting on this, that's when those pitches tend to go well rather than the people who desperately need it. And when you have a 
relationship directly to your audience and you know how to, within your own means, enjoy the work, produce a hit target in your audience, show up and give them value. You don't have to wait for anybody else to tell you to do it. And this whole series is about helping us change, shift our uh, our uh, point of view to one that is closer to that stand-up. How can we, even if it's not typical for your medium, how can you shift how you approach creativity where it's all about enjoying it today and connecting to an audience today because it's never been, there's never been less hurdles between you and the people that want what you have. And so if you are not showing up on a regular basis, delivering those good, hitting that target and and continually making your practice a creative target practice, then you are building a foundation on sand. So d- let's let's change our practice. In this series I want to change your relationship f- to creativity from an idealist, long distance, hopeful one day soulmate if I'm lucky kind of relationship to a committed I'm going to be there day in day out. Love you for the real you, not the idea of you chopping it up, having a laugh, grinding it out in couples therapy, kind of daily creative practice. Quit putting your creative joy, progress, and relationship to an audience off until tomorrow. Let's, even if it's just in small ways, let's start doing what we love to do today. Let's talk about how to do it. So in this episode of the series, I want to talk about defining your target. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, we uh, for a few years, we lived in this uh, suburb where we had a big acre of a field, basically, in our backyard. And there wasn't a lot of things you could do in it. One of the things we learned to do was we bought a bow. I think actually we found a bow in the house that we bought. Uh, and we got some arrows with like blunt tips on the end and we just used to just go back in the backfield and just like launch the arrow as far as humanly possible and uh you know we used to do it for ages i don't know why it was so fun but it was but nobody saw us out there and thought you know what i think they should try for the olympics like (laughs) why because we completely missed the point. We didn't even have a target. It's really hard to hit a target that you can't see or don't even know about, right? We had no chance of being successful in the Olympics. And I've often said on this show that I believe one of the reasons why stand-up comedians are such masters of their craft is because they deeply understand the target that they are trying to hit. And when you have a target, you can participate in target practice. You can learn from your mistakes. You can work on your technique. You can show up day and day out with a relationship to that target. And so what is your target? For comedy, it's easy. Everybody knows that a comedian is trying to get laughs. Now, any good comedian will tell you that 
They're trying to get specific laughs. They're bullseye. They don't just know they're getting laughs. They have a, a you know several layers deep into what makes a bullseye for them because they have a particular point of view with a particular bullseye. But what about you? What if you're in music? What if you're in film? What if you're in design? What if for you that bullseye isn't very obvious? Well, I want to share with you a defining your bullseye activity that I think is going to help you figure out some commonalities between your best work that will help you show you where you can take things next and how you can show up and practice hitting that bullseye over and over in your work. But first, let's just go over a few. So illustration, I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm an illustrator. What is the point of illustration? Like I said, just like comedy, you know, there is the broad point of illustration, but then there's the particulars down to each individual illustrator that has to decide what is the bullseye for me. You know, I think for illustration, uh, often depending on what market you're in, it's about being eye-catching. That's just something, you know, it's like playing on the fact that we're very visual creatures and that if you can create a dynamic image, you can get people to pay attention. You can get them to pick up that book off the shelf or see it on the internet or listen to that podcast because the artwork catches your eye, right? So what does it look like to be, to, to get attention? What are the mechanics behind grabbing someone's attention? Sometimes it's about illuminating a point philosophically or even literally. You know, you'd be blown away. There's something about, in illustration for me, I've had to really embrace and learn to accept that one of the most powerful things you can do with a picture is just bring an idea to life literally so that people can interact with it and just get it right when they see it. That article's about deflated footballs. Got it. Boom. Now I know whether I want to read it or not. Now I don't have this, ab, you know, words are quite abstract, but pictures are so specific. And, you know, you can keep going from there. Obviously, I'm an illustrator. I have a lot of thoughts around the philosophy behind the point of illustration. But the point is to get the point, to figure out the point. Is you, you know, I'm designing the cover of our calendar for the Creative Pep Talk calendar right now. And I'm thinking, what is the point of this illustration? What do I want to produce? What's the target that I'm trying to hit in my audience? And what are the mechanics? How do you do that? How do you produce those feelings? You know, for music, I think for a lot of musicians, uh, it's this thing of, is it just me or does this particular feeling really suck? Or do you ever feel like this sometimes? There's something about music that gives us this ability to feel seen. You know what I mean? It's, it's just deeply powerful. For design, maybe it's, uh, you know, I love the definition of Paul Rand's, like when he's trying to, when he was trying to make a brand, he was thinking about making it appropriate and memorable, appropriate means that you have this intuitive interaction with thing. You ever see that? Uh, I hate to, you know, publicly crap on you. Oh, Charlie's, but, <laughs> but every time I see the Oh, Charlie's restaurant, I'm like, restaurant looks like a bank. Looks like I'm about to go make a withdrawal and it's not, you know, potatoes that I'm looking for. Like, but no, I, it doesn't look right. Whoever made that, it's not appropriate. Design has this ability. You know, if, if you're, uh, we're going to get into this later when we get into some other episodes about target practice, but 
how do you, tr- how could you uh, practice making brands that feel appropriate and intuitive? How could you make a brand that allows people to even just assume what they're going to get from you, but do it in a memorable way where how can you make something uh, both intuitive and surprising at the same time? That's a hell of a target to to hit. That target's like uh, that Venn diagram because appropriate means we know something about it already going into it, but memorable means, yeah, but we didn't expect that. That's like the end of a good story. It's supposed to be surprising and inevitable at the same time. That's good design as well. That's might That might be your target. If your film depends on the genre, action, it might be like, let's just be assaulted by speed and imagery and just have an out-of-body experience just to escape for a minute and forget that I existed. Get away from the existential dread and watch some people punch each other in the face. That might be what you're doing, like trying to give them escape, like almost like meditation. But if you're making drama, you know, what do you want people to feel? You you want them to feel the complexity of life. You want to challenge their simple beliefs. You want them to cry as a literal, like get down to, when you're thinking about your target, I want you to get down to the visceral internal response, be it response, response, be it, be it, be it, I'm getting too worked up. My words are falling apart. Uh, <laughs> response. What response are you looking for? Whether it's a cerebral thing that's going off in the chemistry of the brain or whether it's something that's firing off emotionally in the heart. Get real specific and don't just say tears. Talk about it, meaningful tears where, oh man, life makes sense. Or tears like, God, life is brutal as hell. What is it? What kind of tears? Get to the the bullseye. All right, let's do the exercise. Before we get to the exercise, just a quick shout out to our sponsors, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Patreon is an amazing tool for building the kind of practice that we're talking about where you are showing up and delivering value directly to your fans without any other entity in between. They make that possible. Uh, go get started. Start that target practice. Go. What I suggest is go find people using your medium and also doing Patreon well. Find some best practices. Make up some of your own stuff create a strategy and then launch that ASAP because the longer you are in it, the better you're going to get at it. And don't delay and defer it for way out in the future. You'll never get to it. Start it today. Patreon.com. Start that direct connection with your friends. Friends. Your friend fans. I mentioned earlier that we launched a new Skillshare class about finding your style. Here's one of my favorite reviews uh, that they said a bunch of stuff, but it was all really nice. But my favorite part was I created some of the best art I've made as a result of this class. We have a bunch of exercises. It's been amazing on Instagram to see people actually doing the work and and using this as springboards to make new stuff. And I love when a new perspective shift unlocks an intention that you uh, have never had in your work and it results in some of your best work. That is the best feeling. And to know that this class has unlocked that for some people is just the best. Go unlock some of your best work, unlock your creative identity 
with these five exercises, skillshare.com slash creative pep, two free months. You can take it today, skillshare.com slash creative pep. Hey, go check out storyblocks.com slash creative pep talk. They have stock footage. There's a lot of creative things you can do with this. And we've been making some videos that we're going to release soon that use some stock footage that I think are really cool. Uh, One of my favorite uses of stock footage I've ever seen is my buddy Brad Montague has been releasing some new little videos with poems and stuff. And one of them is called uh, The Dumpster Fire in the Garden. Go check out Brad Montague on Instagram. Just a free plug to him because he's doing amazing stuff. But there's some stock footage just really tastefully used there. Um, And I think it's hopefully it can inspire you on different ways that you can use stock footage that you hadn't thought of storyblocks.com slash creative pep talk to find out more all right we're going to define your bullseye what kind of stuff you're going to try to achieve in your work going forward by looking backwards often feel like you can get a sense of where you're going by looking where you've been Steve Jobs famously said that you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect the dots from your past. But I actually am going to challenge the late, great Steve Jobs here because I think this is a case where you got to practice what he did, not what he said. Because when he was brought back to Apple and saved the company from near failure, he did it by going back to its roots, going, looking back at the dots that he'd connected, looking back at his time at Atari and Xerox and Apple at the beginning and next. And if you plot out those dots, you can see the bigger picture of where this thing is going. I don't know if you ever feel like this, like you're an ant scouring a piece of paper for the next dot, like, man, where is it? It's just trial and error. But if you give an ant a jetpack and he flies up over the page and gets a bird's eye view of this dot to dot, you can see every place you've been where all the dots were lining up. And I don't know if you've ever done a dot to dot, but once you get a few dots in, all of a sudden you can kind of see where this thing is going. You do the second half of a dot to dot much quicker than the first half because you can see that bird's eye view. And so that's what we're going to try to do. Steve Jobs, if you look back from the beginning of what he was doing, all the way back from his time at Atari to Xerox to early Apple to Next, back to Apple, every single place that he went, he succeeded by simplifying. And by the time he got back to Apple, when they were on the brink of not existing anymore. He cut almost every single product they sold down to just like four core products. And it is why they are here today. He could look back at those dot to dots and he could see where the next dots were going. And so this is the, if you give a jet pack, if you give, if you give an ant a jet pack activity, so that you can rise up above the practice for a minute. If you're feeling lost, if you're feeling like down is up and up is right, left is A, A is B, B is A, A, B, select, start like you're some kind of cheat code for turtles in time. If your life, if your creative practice is feeling like a cheat code right now, as random as that, do this activity. Here's what I want you to do. Look back over your work. 
And I want you to just imagine circling, putting a big circle around all of the work that just feels intuitively successful to you. Like you're proud of those pieces, those songs, those, you know, whatever it is. Put a circle around that. Okay. Now we're going to exclude some of the things in that circle. We're going to circle within that circle just the things that you made that just felt so enjoyable to make. They just felt like you just in your essence, just, you know, even if you were wrestling, you were enjoying the wrestling. It was the kind of wrestling match you like. It wasn't like a street fight where you got your butt kicked. It was like, you know, you, you kick kicking some butt and taking some names in a boxing ring. Like you were duking it out, but you're having a great time. Put a circle around the stuff you enjoyed. So you got the big outer circle. We're making a bullseye, big outer circles. You're selecting everything that was a success, but even more specifically, getting down a little bit more granular, everything that you enjoyed. Because all that stuff, like your life is too short to be making work to delay that enjoyment. And we're going to get to that in a future episode. But just for now, circle those things. And then I want you to circle the things that really hit the mark for your audience. You can do that by looking back at, you know, metrics and stuff like that. But you can also do that by creating a little Instagram survey or, or you know, creating a survey on your website or whatever it is, and, or just reaching out to some core fans and asking them, which of these things that I made are your favorite? And maybe even why? Recently, I went through this process and it was, I was trying to tighten up the episode art for the brand. And so what I did was I did exactly what I'm describing right now. And it was super uh, insightful. It was helping me get to that Steve Jobs thing of simplicity is the line running through all of the core dots of my career. That's not mine. Simplicity, isn't it? Might actually be the opposite. Um, but but um, what what is it? So what I did was I collected every episode art from the podcast that felt successful to me. And then I eliminated all the ones that I would never want to go through the process of making again. I've just selected 25 pieces from the hundreds that I've made over the years that I felt like were successful and they felt like me. And I remember enjoying making them and I'd be happy to make stuff like that again. And I, I put that in. I like this process of starting with what you think was successful, what resonated with you before you ever get to your audience. Now, I think a lot of people get stuck here where they say it's either all about what you like or it's all about making stuff that your audience likes. And I like a narrative and I like a hierarchy. The hierarchy starts with you. It's got to be, you know, you. it's got to resonate with you first. It's like comics, you know, they stand up comics. They do go in the club and test the material but they don't bring material that's not resonant to them. And that's how you make sure it's grounded in your authenticity, but also tested in the target practice. And I think if you'll do this non-dual approach, that's more narrative and that's weighing up both of these things and, and working through them systematically, you will start getting into this process where you're going to the firing range and just releasing and measuring and growing and doing it over and over and over again. Okay. So you got it. You got your outside circle, everything that you've ever made that was successful, inner circle in that is everything that you've made that was successful and 
you really enjoyed making and it felt like it was your kind of essence. It was in you and your wheelhouse. And then that bullseye is the stuff that just did it for your audience. And I, I, t- I did a poll and I, and I reached out to Patreon backers. Thank you guys for showing up for all that. And I just eliminated all but six pieces of work. I was kind of blown away by how much those pieces had in common, actually. And it really, some of it surprised me, but it also gave me some relief because it just felt like, yeah, this is the kind of stuff I can do. Like, I know how to do this and, I, and, it, and it feels right. And I, and, and I had a clearer target of what I was trying to hit the next time I went to create. And so we're going to talk about, we're going to get into uh, enjoy, how to make sure you're enjoying what you're doing, how to, how to uh, allow for, not, you know, not to defer your enjoyment to the future, but to enjoy the process and actually get into loving your creative work right now before anybody else says that you're allowed to. We're going to do that in the next episode, and then we're going to do an episode all about target practice and how you can do it no matter who you are, no matter what kind of practice you have. But for now, do the exercise. Give that ant a jetpack. Let them see the bird's eye view so you can start connecting those dots and seeing what the through line is. What is it that you are trying to achieve in your work right now so that you can measure how well you're doing it, so you can do it today? Let's do it. So uh, good luck with uh, the ant jetpack bullseye thing <laughs> exercise. It was really insightful to me. I hope you get a ton from it. It started from as I was working on the calendars and I, I got all three of the calendars that we've already done and on the back of each of them have all the pieces, all the episode arts from those. And it was kind of a collection of some of the best pieces that I've made for the show. And I just started to notice that like, okay, there's only – one or two or three from each one that I would like, uh, you know, really see as like, oh, those really hit the target. And I just started going through this process intuitively and it was really helpful. Hope it's super helpful to you. I'd love to see these pieces. Go share them on Instagram. I'll be following the hashtag, hashtag Ant Jetpack. I love giving you hashtags that just look like you've lost your mind um, <laughs> if anybody's reading your hashtags. But I will be checking that out and uh, cheering from the sidelines for you with all that jazz. Hope that you get a lot from it. Um, I just want to share one last thing with you. Uh, you know, I think that if you will change your relationship to creativity from, uh, you know, proposing that you might do some creativity one day if someone lets you to a creative practice. I think some incredible things can happen, including that you'll get so, if you will show up and hit that target in your audience and just do that over and over again regularly, you're going to get so much joy and so much opportunity just from doing that that what's going to happen is someday someone's going to come show up, some entity, some publisher, some record label, some you know entertainment house is going to show up and propose and pitch to you. And the amazing thing is 
you're going to have such a profound relationship with your work and with your audience that you might not even say yes. And that's what I want for you. That's the kind of practice that I hope that you'll build because I think it's a, it's a stable one. It's one that's grounded in the humility of actually showing up and doing the work. And, it, and it's the most kind of fulfilling one because every day you're actually doing the thing you love instead of hoping and wishing and praying that someday you might get the chance. We live in an amazing time and, well, we live in a terrible time in some ways, but we live in an amazing time in terms of there's just nothing in between you and your potential audience. And if you will show up and hit that target on a regular basis, people are going to start crowding around and being like, how's he doing this? And they're going to start paying you for lessons and, the, and you know, they're going to have you sign their bows and all that stuff. And when the big dogs come in and are like, hey, would you like a chance at the pros? You're like, look, man got everything I need right here. Make it interesting. The power is actually going to be in your hands. That's where you want to be. Okay. That's my challenge for you. Hope it helps. Uh, Let's bring this thing to an end. Hey, tomorrow on October 15th, 2020 at 12 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to be doing a live Ask Dr. Pizza Q&A episode of the show with Patreon backers uh, on a Zoom call. So we'll be taking creative practice questions beforehand and during the call, and I'll be answering them. If you're stuck in your journey and want to tell me about it and see what I think, go become a Patreon backer at patreon.com slash creative pep talk and join us going to be tons of fun. Can't wait to see you. We'll be recording video and audio of the call. Audio will be used as an episode of this show and the video might be used in some promo stuff. So pumped. So excited. Can't wait to see some of you. It's been too long with this crazy quarantine thing and not being able to go give talks and see creative pepperonis in person. Uh, Go check it out. It's going to be tons of fun tomorrow, October 15th, 2020 at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, patreon.com slash creative pep talk for more details. Hey, if you want to help out the show and you want to send us, uh, you know, uh, a thank you about stuff you've got from the show, the best way to do it is to review the show on Apple Podcasts. We see almost all of those. And I might even just read it on the show, like the one I'm about to read you. It's one of my all-time favorite reviews of the show. And I think in a second you'll know why. Here it is. Just listen to your interview with Jamie Drake as I painted in my studio. Another heartfelt learning and sharing journey from a beautiful soul. I'm 73 years old, a retired high school art teacher, painter, and lover of all things that advance the human condition. I first heard you on the Savvy Painter podcast and decided I needed to listen and subscribe to Creative Pep Talk because who doesn't need a Creative Pep Talk on a regular basis? I'm not looking to advance my career or even start one, but I do thoroughly enjoy your interviews, the deep dives into the psyche of artists and the encouragements, the sharing of personal journeys, ideas, and securities, and fresh takes on the business of art in these times. Thank you for being a constant companion in my studio. Never, ever stop learning. Carol. Carol! Oh, my dear God, Carol, you are the most precious listener that I think we've ever had. Thank you so much. That was so lovely. Um, I just, man, everybody needs to be more like Carol. 
And you can be like Carol by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate it. And who knows, we might even read it on uh, one of the future episodes. Thanks, Carol. Huge shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y, one of my all-time favorite bands. It's an absolute pleasure to have one of their songs as our theme music. That song at the beginning of every episode is called January 20-something. If you go listen to it and you're a fan of the show, you'll probably trip out a little bit because you've never heard the whole thing and it might it might go to places you didn't expect. Um, thanks, Yoni. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. I love, I love our soundtrack. Question. Uh, if you care about the soundtrack at all, would you like to hear a volume two? Would you like to hear remixes? Do you want to, should we shake it up a little bit or do we just need that same hit of Alex Sugg every single week? I could go either way. I love the music that we have, but I also like shaking it up. You know, I would like to shake it. Thanks to, uh, uh, anyway, <clears throat> anyway <laughs> thanks to Jordan Aaron for uh, editing this show so beautifully. We appreciate you, man. Thanks for all you do. Thanks to Ryan Appleton for managing this chaotic ball of mess that is me and the podcast. Um, I appreciate you, bud. And uh, until we speak again, you know what to do. Do whatever it takes to stay pepped up. If you have to kill a man to stay pepped up, do it. It's that important. Don't kill anybody, but do stay pepped. Stay pepped up. <laughs>